welcome to Dutch Wine Apprentice, the podcast. The following podcast is an integral recording of our talk show, Seller Talks. This show was broadcasted through Instagram Live on our Instagram page. For this reason, there might be references of images shown in the show and audio quality is affected. The full video recording of this show can be watched through our Instagram page in the IGTV section. This edition of Seller Talks, Season 3, Episode 1, was broadcasted on Friday the 2nd of April 2021. In this episode, we welcome Erich Pols from Weingut Pols in Austria's Südsteiermark region. Already in the fourth generation, this family-owned winery works hard every day to bring their idea of excellence into the glass, with a primary focus on Sauvignon Blanc for which they are internationally known. We talked about Erich's experiences, the winery, region and their great wines. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of uh, Cellar Talks, Season 3. So we're starting a brand new season today and um, just straight fresh out of Season 2. We're uh, having some new guests, uh, six more episodes. So we will have a, a couple of different regions which we're going to discuss and also we have some professionals which will be guests in our show. So you can read all about it on our website and of course on Instagram because uh, well, we always announce uh, the guests and uh, an introduction uh, the week before our guests come. And today we're going to talk about Austria and uh, specifically Südsteiermark. And uh, this is a great region, which is, uh, well, upcoming, I would say, and uh, makes some great wines. So we have a guest today, Weingut Pols, Erich Pols. And um, we're just going to see if Erik is ready to, uh, to join us. So just a couple of minutes. And in the meanwhile, if you want to tell us what you uh, are drinking, uh, please let us know and um, what you have in your glass. So just a couple of minutes while we are trying to get Weingut Pols in the show. So let's see if Eric is ready. Um, I'm not going to spoil too much of the surprise. Um, somebody's drinking cola. <laughs> uh, because today we're going to talk about uh, well Sauvignon Blanc and not only Sauvignon Blanc but it's one of the grapes we're gonna, going to discuss. Hello Eric! Yeah, hello everybody. I can't see you yet, but I not hope yet. it's coming in a short while. Yeah. Ah, perfect. Great. You know, the nice thing about Instagram is they come up with all kinds of new features and then old features don't work anymore. So sometimes we have issues, but it's working now. Thank you very much for joining us. Yes, thanks for the invitation. Nice that you could make some time. And um, I'm curious to talk a little bit about winery, about you. Um, I see on your cap uh, SDK, so we're going to talk about that as well, obviously, which is very important. And for those of you that don't know, we will teach you all about it. Um, but there is a great history with the winery and you also have a nice story. So I would just like to get it started with an introduction from yourself. And then after that, we will uh, do a short introduction of the wine uh, goods and then we will go into the wines eventually. Yeah. Great to, to be there. Thanks, Niels, for the invitation. I mean, it's a very, very interesting time we, we live in. I mean, during the last year, we, I think everybody, every one of us did so many online tastings, online things uh, like yeah. before. 
um, for us, especially in the winery, it was a, a special year 2020, not only because of Corona, because it was also the, the next step for us or for me as the fourth generation to take over. And you can imagine this, there's a lot of, of transformation uh. and transformation energy going around because new people make a new a new atmosphere in 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 a winery or in a company or in a group of people in mm -hmm. generally and but we and it was very important for me to keep it nevertheless to keep it calm because i think what we see in the society it's so much so many disturbing things which make us insecure and i think wineries or brands with such a tradition they give you something you you can hold on to, build, hold on to trust in and not to make too much of yeah it's everything new because it's a, a new boss no it's not because a lot of things are good eh? already not everything is needs improvement yeah it's, it's it's always to keep it living you know it's like a plant it's steady and and and, and slow it's all always a little bit of renewal in under the surface and that's mm -hmm. very important and it makes fun to work like this because otherwise it would get boring i think i agree i agree so how did you end up in the wine business well obviously by being born in a winemaking family but you have uh, also a different background and you did study uh, first viticulture so maybe tell us a little bit about the past that you took because you said this year 2020 was the year of coming into the company together with your brother but we'll talk a, bit, a little bit about that as well but tell us a little bit about the travel uh, until 2020 yeah as you said uh, right before it's obviously when you're the oldest son of a wine producer you will get the to be the next wine producer in the family and it also it, it was also the plan not because every uh, boy has to succeed the the, the 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 father no it's a little bit more because i really really felt the passion of winemaking i when i was eight years old i saw all these in the past dance mostly men sitting around the table and really really getting excited about a glass of wine yeah. and to and only to feel this this energy and this excitement and this passion i think made, made a huge impact and then i think it was around when i was around 11 or 12 years mm -hmm. I first allowed to uh, stick my nose into a wine glass and also take one sip only to taste and I think very very little time afterwards I had this amazing experience that I in a blind tasting mm -hmm. got right to um, the grape variety Gelbo Muscatello so yellow Muscatella Obviously, it's a very aromatic, very expressive. Uh, yeah, but you had it. You had it right. But I said, I think this is yellow muscatella. Yeah. Yes, you're right. And it was <laughs> such a such a big success. I was 13 years old. Uh, I think not even in the puberty. So so I was a, still a child. Mm -hmm. From this point on, I got more and more interested. So I had this one point in my imaginary map. Um, 
and knew, okay, from this point on, you can uh, discover new things. And then, as you said, I studied viticulture, enology, and also a little bit of economics in Vienna. Mm -hmm. But a huge passion throughout my whole youth, which was music. And I was um, singing in a choir since, yeah, I can remember. And in Vienna, I didn't want to quit this uh, part of my life. Yeah. And obviously, everybody knows the New Year's concert, uh, which is broadcasted worldwide. And in this hall, I then began to sing. And I had in, in one of the most famous choirs in, in, in Vienna, which was extraordinary because I was on stage with the Vienna Philharmonics, with yeah, conductors like Subin Meta, with Maris Jansons and the Konzertgebouw. Mm -hmm. uh, very, very well. And, and we also made a tour then to, to Amsterdam with the Dvorak, Stabat Mater. And this was really, really, really a big, big passion also beside the wine. It was not yeah. a hidden, my secret uh, thing. No, it was not a choice, left or right. It was both yeah. there. I, if there wasn't the winery, then I would obviously do this. Yeah. But I love wine, so I do. I, I go into the wine. And then uh, there were two very, very important years for me to 06 and 07, mm -hmm. where I spent um, the harvest and a little bit more um, in Burgundy. Mm -hmm. 06 was Comte Lafont in Meursault, mm -hmm. and 07 were, was Georges um, Roumier in, in, in Chambol. And I mean, when you work in, in one place like this, I mean, where should your education go further, you know? You, it's, it's actually only about wine there. There is nothing else. Only about wine. And for me, it's the highest quality yeah. you can go in. So I had my hands in and on Montrachet. And I had my hands in and on uh, Musigny. So <laughs> what then to... Yeah, you're very lucky, yeah, I would say. <laughs> and it was... I don't know if subconsciously I had... Uh, I didn't... I didn't want to, to, to start working in the winery, but logically, after this, I... You were sold. If you were not sold before, you were sold there. After this, it's normal that then you go home and take over. Yeah. And I don't know why I had to study in the in 07, when I was in Schomboldt, I had to study Beethoven's Missa Solemnis. Mm -hmm. Because, I don't know, three of six rehearsals I spent in France and was not there. And the choir master said, okay, I what do we do with you? <laughs> I want to take you, but you have to study. And then I yeah. sat there and, 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 and studied the score with the, with the recording. And then I leaned back and said, okay, without music, I think that's not an option. And I don't want to turn 50 and then be depressed in a concert hall and say, oh my God, I, I should yeah, have could have been there. Yeah. And so I started um, to study conducting orchestra, mm -hmm. classical orchestra conducting, and really went through with it. Because then I said, when you start it, you have to finish it. And then you can decide what you're going to do. Yeah, and then, obviously you have an option then still. Yeah, I, I said myself, I 
don't want to decide until after finishing the the, the university. Yeah. But then really right away in the second year, I had to come back to the winery mm -hmm. because my brother went to France, which I said to him, please go. It's so important. Yeah. I, I, I got the opportunity. I went there. I loved it. So I could not say, stop, stay at home. You have to go there. Said, don't be stupid. Go yeah. there. If you don't yeah. go there, you're stupid. And then we can talk about it afterwards. Um, because it, it, it changed completely my way of thinking mm -hmm. in terms of wine and wine, wine making. Um, and our former cellar master here at Paltz in, in 2010, yeah. he went back home to his winery and made himself um, an entrepreneur. And so nobody was at home in the cellar. And yeah. I had come back in my second year of conducting and made the whole vintage 2010. Mm -hmm. Afterwards, I mean, we just before we talked a little bit about Easter and Bach, yeah. After the harvest, I mean, harvest means six weeks, at least six to eight weeks, like 14 hours a day, 16 hours per day. You cannot stop, huh? because uh, well, no, you no. have to get it in. Then. I, I, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't stand it, but I can imagine, I mean, there's a process going on and you can't take one step uh, aside. I mean, it's, no. somehow I can imagine like like a birth when it starts it starts and you don't yeah. <laughs> it's not going to be a pause button that you can no. push no. To, to pause it yeah and then i i don't know where i i drove the car and then i i had to get something for the seller sometime yeah. i don't know what and i went there and there was a bach modet in the in the in the in the radio and i after six weeks of not hearing any music, because no, because you were out and in the, in the vineyards, and I got so touched again that I said, "Okay, I have to go back." And this was really great. And I mean, it's the most intense time of winemaking is the harvest because mm -hmm. all the magic transformation um, going and on. And it comes very precise, so you cannot say, yeah, there is this right moment, you need to find the right moment, which is always obviously changing every year. Exactly, and that's, and that's I think, the main, the main thing which um, is the difference between winemaking mm -hmm. and the art of a great farmer, slash wine producer because wine making i want this i get it then and then i do this and then yeah this is the output yeah but that's technical yeah i mean in, there's nature and nature that dictates more or less i mean in, in in the in the in the in the liturgy i don't in the liturgy yeah in the latin version there's this sentence, genitum non factum est. Mm -hmm. So it means it comes from itself and isn't made. Yeah. That's very, 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 very important uh, thing. To keep in mind, always. So that you have to feel what is going on in the plant, in the vineyard, in the cellar, in the barrel. And to feel, it's like when you're behind a, 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 a child which is starts to learn how to ride a bike mm -hmm. and you have your hands there 
always ready, but not. But you cannot put them on a child all the time. Otherwise, you don't learn. You don't learn. And I think that's that's a, a, a nice picture because, I mean, someone would say it makes so many things difficult. And 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 what do you then do? And I don't understand it. Mm -hmm. But he is relaxing, not always to have this hundred percent idea in mind how this wine next year yeah. should you cannot plan it out you can no. only learn from your experiences i use this feel to to tune in in what is going on around you in the whole enterprise but it's also important also for to tune into the people around me mm -hmm. how in what is the atmosphere in order to get a nice and harmonic uh, outcome at the end so yeah, if, if they are affected by something personally, for instance, and they're working with the products, in the end, this can influence that as well. So you have to get a sense for that. And to, to finish the first section, then I really quit the minor and say, okay, it's done. I don't decide after the um, conducting study. Mm -hmm. No, now I quit and uh, good luck, everyone. And I will try myself as an artist. And, so and yeah. your brother came back from France then? Mm -hmm. He was coming back, or he was already back from France, your brother then at that point? Yes, uh, yes. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, so, so he was back in the winery. Well, yeah. Mostly we, we, we changed parts. Yeah, you, you alternate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this was a great time then, and I did many things um, in, in Germany, Italy, obviously in Austria. Conducted much Wagner, which normally I wouldn't wouldn't have done because it's not the music of my heart, but it's a mm -hmm. very so I discovered a lot. And I think what is most important after now coming back to the to the to the winery is the less that when you when you conduct an orchestra, you have let's say forty to eighty to hundred people, yeah, who every single one knows his job better than you know his job yeah on their instrument they're the, the experts it's not they uh, are anybody the, else they are the people they are they are the orchestra yeah. and you only have one job to do to make it possible that they can play together mm -hmm. one idea which obviously has to come from yourself but then they have to do it and to to to, to enable them, always, or to motivate them, or to stimulate them, and and always to ad adapt your ideas to who is sitting in front of you. Mm -hmm. So you can have the best idea. As I said, I had one experience in it was Cosi van Tutte, and they had made a production of five performances, and there was one soprano, and I said. This cadenza, when I was sitting on my desk, mm -hmm. I said, cadenza has to sound like this, and this is the mu musically the best version you can do it. Yeah. Because it's curious and it reflects everything, it's great. She didn't want to sing it because she had not. She didn't feel it like that. Yeah, she didn't. It was something else because she said, it's my cadenza, I want to sing it. But I discovered afterwards her voice was not suiting my style of the cadenza. Okay, she knew if this probably. I would have forced her to yeah. do exactly this way. 
it wouldn't sound good. No, so it's unnatural even. To let her sing hers, which she can do beautifully, because then afterwards you in the audience are touched. Because yeah. if she would have sung mine, it wouldn't feel right from your point of view. As no, it doesn't match. So it's important always not to go like... force something on somebody. Like a tractor no. throughout the field. I, and I think this is the, this is the new art or the, 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 the sensitive part of, of winemaking. To feel what does the earth need, what... It's more about anticipation than it is about making your, trying to make your mark and trying to put something in a certain direction because that's never going to uh, give you the result which you had in your head, maybe. Yeah. And uh, long story... So that was, so that was uh, so for 10 year, more years you were out, right? From yes. 2010 to 2020, and then you came back now. But it was last year. So, w what was the moment when you came back and uh, came into the winery? Um, it was last spring that um, my father and my uncle decided to um, to 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 make a separation of the whole winery. There was yeah. Plus, there was a hotel and... Yeah, yeah you, have, you have multiple businesses attached to one company, And they split it in order to be able to give it to the next generation. Yeah. And then my brother said, hey, I do really feel very comfortable in the cellar. Yeah. But I don't want to make all the strategic, all the... All the business and... The, yeah. The big picture, because yeah. um, uh, obviously it's a very big ship to, to navigate. Yeah. And then I said, okay, so... It's like, this, it's like this musician in your orchestra, orchestra who says, okay, I'm really good at playing the violin, but don't ask me to do, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, a trumpet or something like that, because or that's be not my... Because, no, there's a good oboist and a solo oboist and there's a very important position in, in the orchestra. Yeah. But many, many musicians say, never, 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 I will become conductor because of all this Verantwortung, yeah. this is what does it mean? Yeah, yeah, responsibility. Responsibility yeah. And, and everything. And now it feels like a perfect match, really. So you're a good duo. Happy with everything. I am, I mean, it was a tough year. Please mm -hmm. don't send more of these because one well, uh, is enough more than it's enough. new it's corona it's everything is 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 so no, you already had all these changes even without corona that would be tough already yes on the other hand i don't know how it would be without corona because perhaps it would be even more stressful because we have to do all these presentations all yeah, now you can all focus on the work at the winery more yes exactly exactly so um about the winery and about uh, austria um about Austria a little bit later, but first about the region, Südsteiermark. Yeah. Okay, tell us a little bit about that, because a lot of people, obviously always before the show, I do a round, I ask people, what do you know about the topic that we're going to discuss next week? Um, so when I ask people, what do you know about Austria and wine? Um, I don't think it comes as a surprise that they say, okay, um, I know a Grüner Veldliner, uh, I know uh, Riesling, I know Wachau, and then it sort of less stops more. Well, yeah. Yeah. So today we're talking about a very different region and uh, also a different grape, by the way. We have more grapes, so we'll come to that. But can you tell us a little bit about Südsteiermark? Because uh, it's not that well known outside of Austria for the wine. 
making for most people. I mean, you have three um, regions in Austria who are producing wine. Mm -hmm. It's lower Austria where you find all the Grunewaldina or the most part of Grunewaldina, the Rieslings, also the Wachau region is part of lower Austria. Yeah. Then you have the Burgenland, which makes more or less the reds, mm -hmm. and you have Styria, Steiermark. The whole, the whole region of Styria has, I think, now 4,800 hectares mm -hmm. in 48,000 hectares of whole Austria. Um, yeah, so it's 10%, more or less. 10% of the quantity of, this, of the surface. Um, and we don't have any Grunewald cleaner. Oh. So what you find in, all, in, in Lower Austria also for the light, easy drinking, um, where you put sparkling water in wine, yeah. you also have Grüne Veltliner for this. Yeah. We don't have it in Styria. We have the Welsh Riesling. The Welsh Riesling, yeah. Which is, not, which is not a Riesling, yeah? Which is absolutely not. Yeah, people think, okay, a Riesling, but if you know a little bit, you know it's not Riesling. Welsh always meant strange. So Welsh was more or less always the, the contrary of German. So German yeah. that we understand and everything else is Welsh. Yeah. You also find this in Wagner operas. Nice mm -hmm. singer from Nuremberg, for example. Mm -hmm. And so our light fruity wine or our light uh, wine is Welsh Riesling, so no Grüner Veltlin at all. There was a small but very, very long tradition of Riesling in Steiermark, mm -hmm. which concentrated itself for the tiny spots where you find schist, which mm -hmm. makes sense, obviously. So schist, like on the Mosel uh, and, and Riesling, this is very well, this goes very well together. But then um, there was always a big tradition of many, many grape varieties. Mm -hmm. And I also think it has something to do with all our little wine restaurants we have who only serve cold food. They always have had to have more, multiple different wines, more than one wine. Yeah. So there was always Muscatella, Weltschlesing, we talked about Pinot Blanc, and which... Grauburgunder, so Pinot Gris, mm -hmm. and of course, from 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 our point of view nowadays, the most important variety, Sauvignon Blanc. And to talk a little bit about our our situation here, we live in a region on the Slovenian border, so it's really yeah. on the south of of Austria. We have chalk. And yeah. old, old muscle soil and very chalky, chalky. Uh, like in Chablis. And, uh... Exactly. And we have a very interesting climate situation because we are very much influenced about the Adriatic Sea. Mm -hmm. So if there's rain in Venice, you also have rain here. But also from the east coming in, uh, the warm Pannonic Hungarian uh, warm weather, mm -hmm. uh, and also a little bit from the Alps. So it's a little bit of an interesting mix, which results in 
around 1,000 millimeters of precipitation a year, yeah. which is a lot and which makes for us wine making in the vineyards really, really hard. It's not easy. Rain is never really uh, your, your best friend. You know everything about then the, the, the whole diseases you can get. And also we have very steep vineyards, not terraced like in the Mosul, but very, very steep vineyards until 100%, so 45 degrees. It's really, really steep. Then mm -hmm. if it rains after two or three days of rain, you can imagine that you can't drive in the next day. No, it's like mud. It's like mud and then you go directly south. Um, so we have very, very tough challenges to do our work in the vineyard. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, a high amount of rain is directly linked to a higher acidity. Yeah. And less alcohol. So our wines are really... We have a nice combination of this high acidity and the low alcohol. Yeah. I mean, we also get to 13, 13.5 degrees. I mean, in the period between 2000 and 2007, 8, yeah. there also were wines with 14, 14.5% alcohol. But um, I think worldwide the taste changed a little bit. And of course, we, uh, dry is more in flavor. Dry and not too fat, not too powerful. Yeah, low alcohol. Yeah. Because what do you want to transport? you want to transport the origin. Yeah. The reason why we have now such a, such a um, strict system of, of origin and appellation. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about that in a minute as well, because it's very interesting. Because uh, it was not there before. Uh, it was not. Ago. I mean, we in the SDK, it's, it means Styrian terroir and classic wineries. Mm -hmm. um, we started in 2007 to really go this direction. It was the year when I came back from, from, from Burgundy because then all, all the other big wineries, the young boys, we are in the same age, they came to France to visit me. Yeah. And so we spent one week in France and, and got to all these great wineries and to their ideas and say, okay, we, we have to go to this direction. This yeah. is and, and yeah, so this... The, the, the climatic and the and the and the geographic topographic situation are, yeah. really really i talked with one colleague a few days ago and said i think we live in really in the shittiest region to make wine but we do <laughs> but but we're doing it nevertheless but you're doing great <laughs> we know what is what it's what it's for yeah i mean we don't have anything against working when you then feel really this fine nuances this origin this terroir in the wines and this is a really so this is this is uh, what you guys uh, like you said 2007 it started with the sdk so this is the direction that you're going in uh, that you already moved into because uh, with your winery is very much there already and maybe this is uh, is this also a growing group of winemakers that is uh, following this or? i mean the, the, the whole the whole thing started in the 80s okay and yeah was, uh, okay we don't but, want to talk about not... what happened in the 80s uh, with austrian wine but okay uh, it, it, it brought some good things i mean we live on the border to slovenia yeah. and slovenia didn't have this wine crisis in 85 no and they still 
the 20, it took them 20 years to get to this drier taste and this drier stylistic. And they had great opportunities to get there. It was, it's and not like they were... From today to tomorrow, everything changed and sweet was dangerous because perhaps they put something in. So yeah. this was a, a, a complete change because before sweet was good. Sweet was a yeah. It's what everybody wanted. It, it's been being pushed, and uh, uh, over one vintage, more or less, it changed. It changed. Okay. How can you do this if you have one vintage? And this don't sell. This was a little bit the start of the victory of of Styria and uh, Steiermark, because in Styria, it was perhaps even a little colder than nowadays. Yeah, and they had so sour wines. So you guys were already the exception, and now you were then you were flourishing more or less because you were stayed away uh, from from the sweet trend more or less. Exactly, and then a few a group of of, of young people where my father also was in, they formed the Styrian Classic Wineries. Mm -hmm. The Teak came in in '07 because of Styrian Terroir. Yeah. So before it was only SSK. We didn't have an abbreviation. Yeah, but, but there was no terroir in this whole... It was the, the group of seven people, Steirische Klassik Weingüter. Okay. And at this time, it was very important to form this classical Styrian style. Good fruit, dry, not too heavy, steel tank. And this was the cl classic Sauvignon, classic... Pinot Blanc, or what, what, what you want, and it was everything at in the right time, in the right spot. Because and these grapes, this uh, sorry to interrupt you, but also because of these grapes are good in transporting this, and if you can do a clean winemaking more or less, these are excellent grapes to use in, uh, in in trying to get this forward. Which all had history here. Yeah. I mean, we also have Müller Turgo had. Yeah. Everybody had Müller Turgo, but, and I really admire wineries, especially in Germany, who are really doing a great job in- I make great wines with that. Müller Turgo, but we here, we discovered that we are not getting this finesse, this, yeah. this kind of terroir transportation um, with this grape variety. So now- yeah, So you made a choice to go into a direction that suits better. In, uh, in, in our appellation of Südstermark, yeah. this grape variety isn't a part anymore. But okay. we have still very, very many grape varieties we, which, are, which are suited to, to, to transport our region. And I think great. it's a little bit difficult to explain because it would be easier to say we only have Grünewetlina and Riesling. Yeah, very, yeah, yeah. Very, this, this is a very clear message. But I think, I mean, we are, whatever we do, we are the exception in Austria. Yeah. And so we, within we, all those regions that you have and the different winemakers, you guys are the ones that just take your own course and don't really, well, tend too much about what else is happening. Of course, there's global trends and there's market demands changing, which you adapt to. But yeah. You're taking your own course. It would be naive to, to put your head into yeah. this and say, 
if you're gonna drink if you're gonna drink all your wine yourself it's no problem but if you want to sell it it's maybe a, a thing yeah but then but then it's a very very interesting um situation with customers and wineries i think mm -hmm. it's also for the customers it's interesting to to follow a winery yeah which is going away and which is going slowly but steady which makes a development then you can follow then you can ah it's moving i mean it's like following yeah. an animal it's, li it's, it's living it's not a static thing and i think the biggest mistake you can do to turn this relationship around yeah so that the to dictate to dictate what others thing and the winery is going after yeah that's helping no one no so I think we we always develop each other. We have in the group. We are now twelve wineries, and I mm -hmm. think we we said to ourselves that in, within the next five or ten years we don't grow anymore. There's not a need to make it bigger in terms of more wineries. As I said, we are the smallest wine growing region in Austria. Uh, when you, how many do you want to take? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and still be able and that's interesting and still be able to make really hard decisions decisions which are even stricter than the wine law yeah. and, and which is which is very strict in austria which is very strict but we now say if you want to write single vineyard first single vineyard is the car wine uh, um, yeah. vineyard then wines have to have this certain age like 15 years onwards yeah. we we say to ourselves you don't you are not allowed to make more than 4500 liters per hectare yeah Austria, so you have, have very strict rules for the program which means 7500 liters and we say okay 4500 is the top reduce it even more doesn't make sense because then yeah. you perhaps get heavier wines and I think that's no no, no big clue. It's not fitting. Yeah. And you can imagine I, I mean you you got a little bit in touch with wine mm -hmm. and winery owners and they tend to have a strong opinion. Of course. And you can imagine twelve wine growers sitting together on one table and say, hey, we have to come later with the wine and twelve is yeah. like twelve is a magic number. You know, it's, <laughs> it's somehow it's, 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 it it's feels good. Right. And so we have hard discussions, but it's really, really working. And I think it pays off because we, and I think that's a good transition if you want to, but if you want to, we can talk about it later to our system of, 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 of origin. Yeah. Because, because in 07, we really said, okay, we have to go more and more and more on the classification of our vineyards on the first and the to be able to to show the differences also to the audience and to differentiate exactly and i mean we didn't invent the whole wheel from the beginning you don't need to do it there's people doing it well in other regions but you learn from that again burgundy come on vdp did the same in germany they didn't figure it out themselves yeah and we now have an origin system which is more or less um burgundy with Regional wines, Südsteiermark, then the village yeah. wines. But on the on the section of the village wines, I think we made the best 
best system um, possible because in the region of South Styria, which is 4,000 hectares, yeah. only have five village appellations. Okay, very limited. Which is not the political village, but which is the geological. Okay. Where we have... So even in the village, you're going into the terroir definitions. Exactly. So Ehrenhausen, where we are based, yeah. is chalk. If you go to Gamlitz, the biggest city, village, it's sand. If you go one further, you have gravel and all the things. And if you go... It's, re it's really nice because this allows also people, obviously, to learn what they like. And if you think, you know, I like this soil type, the wine that comes from it, this is my style. Okay, you can try something else, but it's easy for you also to recognize on the village level, what would I be looking for? What does a name say of a, villa, of a village? Nothing if you don't know what's in the soil. Exactly. And that's the reason why I think, I mean, it's still a lot. And for people who don't know Syria, it's, it will be very, very difficult. Um, but it makes sense. And I know that in a few, in a few uh, years... Yeah, yeah, it's about long breaths. Eh? You need to continue the story. Eh? It's not uh, something that uh, overnight uh, people get. I mean, and that's not necessary as well. I think it's a very interesting thing. And then you have uh, village wines, and then we go to then, the Esther. And we have the Cruz and the single vineyard wines mm -hmm. in the law. And we, as SDK, we make the differentiation between non classified single vineyard wines yeah. and then Premier Cru single vineyard wines and the Grand Cru single vineyard wines, where we gave ourselves very strict rules was what can be. Um, uh, first or Grand Cru and this is very very tricky because I don't know if people in or yourself or people in the audience if some if you guys follow the new German wine law mm -hmm. and this is now when you really make a classification of vineyards yeah a greater territory all the people are talking. Yeah. And everybody wants a premier and a grand crew. Of course. So if you want to find political consensus, you really have to pay so much attention yeah. not to lower the standards. That's also why in Germany, a lot of winemakers or quite a lot of winemakers don't want to be in the VDP system. There's more reasons to that. But they choose because they have a different way of expressing in their wines, their winery and their, their vineyards. So uh, it helps, uh, the system helps, but it's also restricting, more or less. But the system only makes sense if it is restricting. Yeah. Because why? Yeah, that, yeah but that's the whole, uh, let's say, yeah. That the VDP system is very good. Um, always, uh, of course, seen from the point that you want to make really origin wines. If you want to make other styles of wines, which are 100% legitime, you, 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 or you go in the organic, um, not organic, in the, in the orange wine section yeah. or different plants from experimental varieties, great. But if you want to make like really origin wine, the VDP made a very, very, the idea is right. Mm -hmm. But now with the new wine law, I think the Große Gewächs is really getting so dangerously 
broad. Yeah. It, like you know, an elite thing? Like in, in, in a few years, Großegewächs, the title, the title will be worthless. But the erste Lage will be more important in, 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 in the VDP section. It's, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's a very, very uh, tough thing. And also, what do you classify? Do you classify the soil and the, yeah. the, 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 the surface on the map? Then you get another problem. Then when you then have Grand Cruz and you want to uh, give it to your children, they have to pay so many taxes yeah. because it's wealth, you know? Yeah, it's value. Yeah, there's a high value attached to it. If you tax the soil, then it, you will have another problems in, in, in 10 or 15 years, which perhaps, uh, which, uh, for example, in Burgundy leads that when somebody dies and gives you... Uh, you get all these very small... And... You have to rob a bank in order to... Yeah. To, to take the hair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, in a minute, we're going to taste uh, one of your wines. Um, but to conclude this section, we talk a little bit about uh, the cruise, as you said. You have, so you have three uh, layers there. You have the unclassified, um, the Premier and the Grand Cru. So what are they named in, uh, in the Austrian or in the SDK? In the SDK, we, we talk about first SDK, um, Lage, which means uh, vineyard, yeah. uh, and great große uh, SDK. Uh, GSD, SDK, more or less. GSDK and, and one SDK. Quite, quite simple, more or less. <laughs> don't need to make it complex. The soil is already complex sometimes. <laughs> thing. Yeah, no, no, don't overcomplex it. Okay, good. Um, now, uh, about the winery, we already talked quite a lot about it, but we talked already a little bit about the different uh, grapes that you have. What are your premier wines, uh, the, the ones you uh, are uh, producing? Of course, Sauvignon Blanc, but we'll get save that one to the last, and then we do the tasting. Uh, what other wines do you produce? I mean, I think now we stand at 8% red wines. So yeah. it's Really, really, also in the tradition, a small, small part. Mm -hmm. Which grape is that? I mean, the Austrian, the most important Austrian grape for red wine is Zweigelt. Yeah. Uh, but we also have on our most important vineyard, the Rito Krasnesberg, which is a GSDK, um, we also have Cabernet Sauvignon and Blaufränkisch. Blaufränkisch, uh, yeah. Which is a very interesting variety, I think. But also typical Austria. It's also tip and Hungarian. Oh, oh sorry, sorry for the Hungarian people. Kek Franco, Kek Franco uh, is 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 also there. Uh, has a big tradition. Um, but then I, I I saw the list. Now we are 50, almost fifty percent of our surface in the winery is Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah. And then the next most important is Chardonnay. Yeah. Which I think is also, I mean, it's the king of, of, of white wine mm -hmm. uh, varieties. It doesn't have very much aromatic, but still we in our region... But it's it, great to work with as a winemaker. It's nice, but it's so dangerous. I mean, it's not so dangerous as Pinot Noir, but it's really, it's, 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 it's very delicate. It's very, mm -hmm. very sensitive. You, you, you can easily fuck up part of my French. <laughs> if you get a little bit too broad, it's... In, in the moment too much 
if it's not uh, ripe enough, if you have the wrong soil, it doesn't work. But as we have, you see behind me, yeah. yes, like chalk, like this in your soil. Mm -hmm. That's the best you can get for, for, for Chardonnay. So we are also in very special and very selected uh, places. We have Chardonnay. And then, as I uh, told you before, a little bit of uh, yellow Muscatella. Tramina is very, very little amount. But all the... I also do uh, sparkling. We do stuff, sparkling wines, yes. Um, Made of Chardonnay or? The white is Chardonnay. The red, uh, the rosé is, is Zweigelt uh, and, and, and Pinot Noir. And then we also do a little bit of, of Muscatella uh, sparkling, which is nice and fruity and, and um, makes fun. And the so 50% is Sauvignon Blanc, but there's still the other 50%, there's still quite some, for everybody there's something. There is something, and it's really very much typical uh, grape variety aromatics in the wines, which is important for us. Always mm -hmm. to express certain, certain unfalsified natural taste of the grapes. And especially yellow muscatella, if, I don't know if you know it, when you smell the grape during harvest, mm -hmm. so many, such a distinguished aroma, and when you then find it in the glass, as pure as in the vineyards, I think then you did a few things right in the. Yeah. In the so it's not, that's also not easy to work with, but if you can get it right, it's something which is very interesting. Yeah. Okay. So and then now let's go to the Sauvignon Blanc because you're already drinking something, and I was waiting in anticipation. That's <laughs> my fault. I could have taken the glass if I wanted to. Huh? Um, we have here the original wine. That's what we picked. And Kate, tell us a little bit why we picked it, because we could have picked, I mean, you sent me, graciously, you sent me a box with six Sauvignon Blancs in different uh, levels. So we, we went with this one. And tell us a little bit why, first of all, why we picked this one. I think it's one of the most it's important, it, it is the most important wine in the winery. Mm -hmm. Because this is the entry to the whole adventure of Sauvignon Blanc in Styria. Mm -hmm. And it is the broadest, um, we, we, we get in touch with the broadest audience with this wine. Yeah. It's really the opening door, which has to express, and you still have the old label. Uh, in the meantime, the label looks like this, but it's the same wine. We yeah. have the same wine in the, in the bottle. And you have to feel two things with this glass of wine. You have to feel Sauvignon Blanc and you have to feel Südsteiermark. So those two, if, if one of the two is there, it's not good. You need to, this is what you want to express, both. So this is a great example of Sauvignon Blanc in stereo. And then you only have to know that after this wine, you have a whole, it's like a rabbit hole you can dive into. <laughs> All the village categories with the different so uh, that th then you can have your own adventure and finding which nuances is better maybe interest you more and then like you said you have in the village wines these nice uh, link linkage to the to the soils so you can start to get a good idea with this this is the uh, the signature of the the winery more or less also the winemaking it's the dna because yeah. this is not working then the rest you can forget. The, the whole the whole house flaps yeah. uh, 
to itself, I think. So, so what we have in the glass, because I have some as well. So tell us a little bit about um, what makes the Sauvignon Blanc from Zutzeiermark, um, uh, what's the characteristics for it? I'm not going to say unique because everybody says I have a unique one. So uh, you have French Sauvignon Blanc, you have uh, New Zealand, you have Austrian. I'm not going to go into why do we have the, where do we put it? But what is the characteristics for your Sauvignon Blanc? I think very, 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 very many pictures of Sauvignon Blanc are around the world. Mm -hmm. It was a time where the New Zealand type of Sauvignon Blanc was the image how Sauvignon has to taste. Mm -hmm. I think we in Styria, we developed now a, 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 a certain, certain style of, 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 of wine, which is very different to the green, grassy uh, Sauvignons you know from oh, French, France. Yeah, France is a little bit nearer when you come to complexity and, and, and vivacity on the, on the palate. Yeah. Syria always stands for fruit, but mm -hmm. too much and not in your face. It's a very elegant and very, if you smell correctly, it's also, it's also ripe. It's, it's, yeah. it's all getting a little bit of this cassis, but without getting too soapy or too too heavy or too um, too broad, and then in the in the finish or in the mouth, good tasty juicy wine yeah. with a sleek and slim body, you know, and yeah. with a very brilliant finish. So nothing which is hanging onto your shoulders and no. putting you down, lifting you up at the end and giving you a little bit the, the desire to take the next sip. That's so, and, and this is interesting because um, I'm not going to say the nose and the palate are very different, but if you smell the nose, um, first time I smelled it, uh, I opened it uh, in the afternoon and uh, uh, tried it first straight out of the bottle and then now so a little bit later. Um, when you uh, take the nose, uh, I, I think a lot of people get maybe tricked that this is Sauvignon Blanc. I mean, if you don't know it and you do it in a blind tasting, I think quite some people would say, okay, yeah, it's not the first one I think about, but if you bring it together with the palate, then it makes sense. I think, but I think for me, it's a crystal clear Sauvignon Blanc, which is like from, from 10 meters, I can smell it. But I think that our style of reduced intervention in vinification, yeah long time on the lease, as long as possible, makes them so complex. It's not, like I said, in your face Sauvignon Blanc, no. because this is too easy, you know? There are even yeasts you can put in and then everything's... If you want to make that, you can make that easily. But this is really high quality. I had a tasting a few days ago with a journalist and I had an from the 2020, so it's a fresh vintage. It was open four days. The bottle was open four days. Yeah. And the wine was after four days was better than when opening. And this gives you an idea how, how, how high quality on the level of grapes already there is that young wines. Yeah, because it's straight out of the day. And this was different 25 years ago. Yeah, you could not you could not achieve that. I mean, if you would have gone in tastings, you would probably not uh, find a single uh, winery that was able to to do that. So the, yeah, the quality level really went up as well. And we have we have many 
many many many colleagues i mean we had from from Reinery gross i think some at, at also like this an entry level sauvignon blanc that is a classic mm -hmm. from the 90s some i don't remember the exact vintage and when an entry level wine of a I don't know any entry-level wines of other regions yeah. after 20 years, which are making so much fun, which is so fresh and so, so on, on top of things, you know? And yeah. that's, that's a good sign when you yeah. have entry-level, makes fun, is light, has a great fruit, and also has potential. It's not only Carry it on. yeah. a simple fruity wine, but yeah. has really imminent quality. And that's so important for me. And that's and and that's what uh, I mean. Uh, not everybody uh, obviously is a, a drinker that wants to store their wines and wants to age them. But I think this is growing. More and more people are trying to uh, to see what happens if you tuck away a couple of bottles. And I always say, if you really like something and you know it's good quality wine, never stop with one bottle and take a couple and see how it evolves. Take it uh, straight out of the vintage in the first months and then wait for two years, five years, see what it does because this is what you were, well, what you, what you, how you learn what it does. But um, I think you, uh, you have a very interesting, uh, for a lot of people, an interesting choice of wine, uh, of grape, Sauvignon Blanc, because when we were talking, when I was talking with my guest last week, um, I told you before the show, uh, there was a, this a winemaker from uh, Zimbabwe who uh, had no background in wine and uh, by coincidence came into the wine industry, first in the hospitality industry and then into winemaking, has been very successful there um, for some years already, but he's making wines in South Africa. And uh, he's also about to make, he has two wines now, he has the um, Chenin Blanc and the Shiraz. And one of his uh, wines that's coming up is a Sauvignon Blanc. So when I told him we're going to talk next week and there's going to be a lot about Sauvignon Blanc. I said, you have a question for, for my guest next week. He said, okay, ask him why Sauvignon Blanc? Because uh, yeah, I, I'm going to make one myself, but you could have picked any other grapes. We already talked about the different uh, grapes that you have, but, but, but yeah, why do you think this is the best, uh, to conclude, the best choice for Poles, but not even only for Poles, also for Swiss Steinbach maybe? I think we are very much learning about our past tense. Mm -hmm. Sauvignon Blanc, or as it was called in former times, Muscat Silvana, mm -hmm. was always there. Yeah. And with the time, we saw that it expresses our region and all these little details when you look outside of the window and see this beautiful landscape and all this is perfectly reflected by this variety. And then it became 30 years or 40 years ago, it was absolutely not the most important grape variety in the region. No. Now we are, most of the, of the wineries are even more than 50% of the surface because we think it suits the region the most. Yeah. And you talked about it, it's about uh, the, the climate. It's about the terroir, it's the combination that you have, um, trying to make enough wine, but also more important, good wines that reflect what, exactly. you, what you're given, more or less. And I don't think, I mean, when you go to regions where the 
wasn't wine before, then you can choose about every from the whole catalog of of, of yeah. Let's talk, let's say Holland. We don't have a history with winemaking, but we have more and more winemakers now. So we have a lot of hybrids, uh, new hybrids more or less that are being used. So, okay, everybody that starts a winery in Holland is more or less new because we don't have the history of family wineries, etc. Um, so this is a clear greenfield situation where you can just say, okay, what is going on? What can I pick? And there is no legacy. There is nothing. We even had no opportunity to make important is always what do you want and what is there mm -hmm. if you want to make the biggest and fattest shiraz in the world you can plant it but you, it won't succeed no so what is there what does what are your what are your points which are fixed like climate and, and, and region and soils and then see okay what could be interesting wine from this region and then you come down and it, on the end you have two three four varieties and then do whatever you like and i think that's the most important thing in the end you have to really love and like what you're doing and if you're in love with a certain grape variety personally plant it in your vineyards because you I always should do that you will wake up more happily and go into the vineyard and then the wine will be better and and, and everybody has has a positive impact on I, it i visited some uh, very good uh, well-known winemakers in Germany last summer and all of them have great uh, I wouldn't say pet projects because that's a little bit uh, uh, putting less value on it but they have like personal private projects and to be honest um, even if you would think that this is a wine that doesn't suit the region when they let you taste it you feel that it's a good wine and you know why you know why because it's the passion that they put into this grape And maybe it's not the excellent fit with the terroir or whatever that it is, but if you put this much love and passion into it, okay, you can make a, a great Pinot Noir. It's not, these days it's not difficult, but the Chardonnay or Pinot Noir a couple of years ago in Germany was not that common. But mm -hmm. now, now everybody's starting to do it. And that's a lot to do also with what you said, going to France, a lot of winemakers did the same there and learned from that and took it home. Yeah, and I think Then you, you only have to pay attention, not wanting to imitate like Burgundy. Yeah. You will no, you, uh, there is only one Burgundy. You, you have to find your own personality as region and as winery and yeah. to stick to it. That's me. That's the region. Yes, we have much rain. Yes, we have fruit. But fruit is something good yeah because in former times it was a little bit the picture too much fruit that's not serious wine it's yeah. too much fruit i mean this is nonsense if yeah. the fruit is elegant and noble it's something very sensual very very great and it's a crucial part of making the whole success also fruit can be aristocratic you know mm -hmm. in the background then it's always the, 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 the feeling of the wine producer not to overdo this, you know? Yeah, and, uh, and, and sometimes people can get carried away of it. And obviously there's a difference between what you want to do commercially and what you want to do privately. I mean, everybody, like you said, should get, be able to stick to what they also, what they want, what they like. But uh, yeah, okay, you can make uh, great stuff. It's like with artists, if you're a painter, if you like painting and you make great paintings, you would, 
maybe there's a lot of them that don't want to sell their paintings because they're so in love with their paintings. But in the end, you will have to live off something. So you have to do things. And um, I learned this uh, quite some years ago uh, with a, from a famous clothing designer who said, uh, talking to a group of design students, always think about what you do that brings in the money so that you're able to do what you would want to do, which maybe costs you money, but that's okay. I mean, it's not a problem if you spend money. Uh, on the other hand, you're making some money. So that's what keeps the business alive and your passion as well. Yeah, this is exactly what we want to do. Um, but I always see it a little bit difficult to say, um, do what you what brings you money. And I mean, if you exaggerate to sell trash, yeah. also our our products as the regional Sauvignon Blanc, the yeah. OC Sauvignon Blanc, so the baseline of our yeah. uh, system has to be, if it's not attaching to the customer, it is not appealing, it's not fresh, you won't have success. But you can all, you can have all this, these attributes with a high standard of quality underneath. And that's the big art. And that's how you get and people I, into... Which, which has a feeling like very easy and floating and very fine. But underneath, it's quality from the vineyard and handcrafted work. And, yeah, and it's a business card, as you say. It's the entry level. It's how people can get uh, familiar with it and then experience from there on and get new uh, learnings and experience as well. So... Let's, we're, we're wrapping up here, so we're just past the hour. I don't have a night clock here, I'm at home, so I have no problem, but maybe you have some other things to do. But um, what I would want to say, if somebody in the audience still has some questions, you can uh, uh, drop them in the chat or in the question mark box so that we can uh, uh, attend to those as well before we close up. Uh, I have one question, obviously, for you for next week, because next week we are going to Puglia. So uh, South Italy, we're talking about uh, 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 very interesting uh, red wines, more or less. Uh, there is some white, but a lot of red wines, obviously. So uh, we have uh, two sisters that are running a winery there, and uh, one of them is going to be in the show. So what would you like to ask them about Puglia or about Italian wine in general or about their business in the family company, maybe even? It's interesting. Um, there are two things. Like, how is the dynamic when two sisters are running a winery? I did. Yeah, you see me smiling, but I know that there are similarities between the two. My you, my you, you and your brother. It's not always smooth, and I can tell you. So this would be interesting for me if, in a family winery, when it's really run by more than one family member, how this works. But the more serious question, I think, for South Italy is how, how they um, feel about or how they are experiencing climate change. Mm -hmm. Because especially in these regions, if it gets drier, warmer, less rain, I think for wine growing, this has, has a huge impact. If it is like this, if they feel a huge impact, and if yes, what are the strategies to, to deal with it? Yeah. To go into the future and, and maybe adapt or maybe not adapt? Changing varieties or what are their thoughts about yeah. climate change and, and, and viticulture? 
Uh, they have now uh, mainly focused on the Primitivo and on the Negro Amaro, I think, but it's just a very typical uh, regional varieties. I think they, they make great wines there. Um, so we're going to ask them, I'm going to ask them both questions. I'm also going to ask them about the uh, family dynamics because I think it's interesting. I know that one of the sisters is in the viticultural side of the company and the other one is doing the business side more or less. So I think there's uh, some uh, interesting things uh, that will uh, align with you. And like you said, sometimes you get some uh, friction maybe as well. That's, that's normal. That's what everybody that works together. So with family, maybe it's even uh, more often. And then the second question about the climate, uh, the climate change. So uh, we'll attend to that. So Great. I have no questions in. So I think we did a great job in uh, trying to explain uh, what the um, Swiss tire mark is about, to try to explain what Pulse is about, what you stand for, uh, the direction that uh, the region and that you have made, uh, have taken, and how you're moving this forward. Uh, Sauvignon Blanc. Um, to be honest, there was a time where I really was not a fan. Uh, I like the wine really much, uh, very much. So to be honest, I think uh, um, I already was a little bit converted, but you did a great job in getting me, me into the camp uh, Sauvignon Blanc as well. So uh, thank you very much for that. And of course, we have some more wines that will be reviewed. So uh, they will be popping up. And I'm very curious to see what the differences are between uh, the levels that we discussed. So uh, with that, I think um, maybe something from you, a uh, last thing that you want to uh, address before we close up. Yeah, I think it's really great to, to, to have the opportunities to get in touch with all you guys out there and you mm -hmm. an amazing job needs to to also when everything is locked up to to get the people to the information to yeah. to get new things and, and interesting topics um and also if i can see you out there um we are really looking forward when traveling is uh, again possible and come and visit our region i think the Südsteiermark is one of the it's really beautiful look it up ah, a lot of dutch and, people particularly like it so i mean we can talk one hour here but if if you stand 10 minutes in front of the <laughs> it's, it's now but only one view yeah. is probably already so visit us we are really yeah. eager to carry the message of, of Südsteiermark and, and Sauvignon Blanc uh, around the world and there's no better place to experience the whole thing than in our region so I totally agree so I'm looking forward to, to, to do to, to be able to visit at least and then um, I, I hope to uh, get an experience uh, that gives me the picture that goes with the taste great yeah that's 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 the message and I'm thank you thank you very much for your time Erich. I'm hoping to see you very soon when yeah. it's uh, again possible and all your followers, uh, of course. And yeah, very good. And the people will see more of your wine. So uh, if they're now curious, they should be curious after this inspiring and uh, inspirational story. I think uh, uh, it's a great way. Um, we're um, broadcasting to a lot of different countries, uh, but in Holland, obviously, quite some people there. You have a great uh, ambassador as well in Holland. So uh, we're getting the wines in the Dutch market more as well. I think it's good that a lot of different people in countries get the experience to taste your wine. So let's uh, keep on uh, doing the good work. Thank you very much for your Thank you. Thank you and have a nice evening. Eric. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. So thanks everybody for watching. Uh, while Eric is taking his last sip, 
I'll uh, just uh, close up with uh, with saying that next week we're going to go to South Italy, uh, as mentioned. So if you have any questions about that, uh, be sure to uh, drop them uh, maybe uh, in a DM on Instagram, in the comments. Um, the introduction to our winery will be online in the next couple of days. So if you're interested in uh, typical Italian Southern Italian reds and more, obviously, then uh, be back next week. And thank you all very much for watching. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Be sure to visit us on Instagram at Dutch underscore wine underscore apprentice and check out our website www.dutchwineapprentice.com for the latest news and content. You can also subscribe to our newsletter through the contact section of our website.